they were all cured. Did everyone get cured? That's what it says. <laughs> but do we all get cured? Maybe it depends on what you mean. I know, I know multiple people who have lost loved ones in the last few months, which is very sad and sobering, that those people did not get better. That their wounds, so to speak, led to their deaths. But Jesus shows us in the gospel today that his wounds do not lead to eternal death. Likewise, our physical wounds do not lead to eternal death. Now, they might hurt, they might stink, they might annoy us, they might plague us, but they cannot hold us down. Now, there's another kind of death, a spiritual death. And just as Jesus shows us power over physical death, he also shows us power over spiritual death. Remember in Mark 2, when Jesus is walking by and there's this crippled man, and he says to the crippled man, your sins are forgiven. And the, and the crowd is taken aback, and they're like, wait, what? Like, God forgives sins, not you, whoever you are, Jesus. And Jesus says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power... Rise, pick up your mat, and walk. That he heals him spiritually first, and then he heals him physically. And so today, as Jesus appears to his disciples after rising from the dead, he shows them that he has power over death, over physical illness. But what does he do? He gives his disciples spiritual power. He gives them the Holy Spirit so that those whose sins they forgive are forgiven them. That Jesus, who is God, and God alone can forgive sins, gives his power to his disciples. And it's this, this power to reconcile that brings peace. Some people look at this and say, ah, you know, yeah, only God can forgive sins that, yeah, the disciples can't do that kind of thing. Well, we hear in our first reading, Peter walking down the road, even when his shadow fell upon people, that people were healed. And we're given this story, I mean, it shows us right here in Scripture that the apostles had power because of God. And so we already see God giving power to his beloved disciples. And so it's not that much further to believe that they have power to forgive sins because Jesus gives that to them. But it's also understandable that we can be skeptical. Now here's Thomas, one of the 12. And he saw Jesus die. And 
and in a parallel way, you could say, when you and I, when we see someone suffer, when we see someone that we love die, it can shake our faith. Because if God is really good, if God really has power over life and death, then why did this person die? It's very understandable that, that we would question it. But how does Thomas come to faith? He comes and he puts his own hands and his fingers into the wounds of Christ. That this Jesus who suffered for us and with us, that Jesus has power over suffering and death, that our Jesus is wounded. Jesus chose to be wounded because you and I are wounded. And so he encounters contacting his brokenness with the Lord's brokenness that's redeemed. That you and I are healed. You and I are cured when we choose to bring our brokenness to the Lord's redeeming love. Who gets to get cured? Anyone who wants it. Who gets to get healed? Who, who gets to be redeemed? Who gets to be forgiven? Anyone who wants it. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that beautiful? All you have to do, all we have to do is ask for it. You mean I don't have to earn it? Because I, I, I was pretty bad. No, even, isn't this great? Jesus shows up and he brings his disciples his godly power to forgive sins. These are the same people who abandoned him at his most important moment. <laughs> there was only one apostle at the foot of the cross. But Jesus comes to give all his apostles this power, this goodness. God's gift of goodness is not dependent on our track record. It flows from who he is, that mercy is to deal with someone not according to their track record, their sins, but according to their dignity and according to our dignity. The mercy is to treat someone according to their dignity, not according to what they've done. And our dignity is good. And no matter how many sins we've done, nothing can take away from that. That's why as you may know, I like the uh, prodigal son story. <laughs> and the, the, what, what do you see there? That The son felt like the dirt. The dirt made it hard for him to see his dignity. Our dirt can make it hard for us to see our dignity. But just as the father runs to him and puts a ring on his finger to remind him of his identity, you're part of this family, this is the family ring, that he gives him the best, the fattened calf. God thinks we're worth the best. But ultimately, what does he want to give? He gives him relationship. Welcome back into the family. What does our father want to offer us? The greatest gift he can give us is reconciliation with him is being brought back into the family, being reminded of our goodness. 
And that, that goodness, that healing, that reconciliation, it, it may not be physical healing. Uh, that, that's just how it is. Even Lazarus, you know, Jesus raised him from the dead. And they're like, why isn't he still alive? Yeah, he died again, right? You know? Um, but he knew that Jesus had power over death. But you and I, we can experience that, that healing that God wants to give us spiritually. That's, that's what's life-giving. A little ways back, I was um, kind of counseling a young man with a broken heart. He, uh, he had broken up with this girl. And he, um, some people are sad and some people are really sad. He, um, he was like a super melancholic um, and it's one of those where you feel like it's never going to get better. And I just remember a lot of conversations with him over a lot of times. And yesterday, in California, he got married to somebody else, right? That even the worst broken heart, God can heal. Even the worst sin, God can heal. In the Lord's, in the greatness of the Lord's heart and mercy, all can be cured.